everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gen 2.0. In today's episode, we're in conversation with Sav. Sav lives in London. She is an investor in Venture Capitals and she is also a listener of Gen 2.0. She reached out to me via um, my Instagram page and I couldn't help but want to interview her. So welcome, Sav. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. I mean, like I said, I just needed you on. I think you're like one of the most interesting people I've come across on Instagram in a while. Oh, um, so, Sav, do you want to like introduce yourself to the audience and maybe just talk a little bit about where you grew up? Yeah. Um, what's your ethnicity and what's your nationality? OK, so I am um, 30 years old. I'm British um, and half Indian, half Cambodian. So not a mix you probably hear about often. And I grew up in the Buckinghamshire countryside. So very rural, very, I don't know, I guess kind of very quiet and um, uh, now I live in now I live and work in London usually. Um, but I'm during this pandemic, I've kind of been between home and London. Nice. Wait, whereabouts did you grow up in Buckingham? I can't even remember to say that Buckingham word. Buckingham but like, people call it Bucks, right? So it's a bit like me saying, Bucks. oh, my name's Savitri, but call me Savs, right? This is the short version. But um, <laughs> I grew up I grew up in a town. What, not, in a, not even a town. Oh, my God. It's like a very small village between High Wycombe and Oxford. So... Very, very small, very kind of elderly population, very much the only brown family in the village, for sure. Um, And probably kind of, there weren't that many young families either. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a really like pretty place. And I think I've grown to appreciate it more. But it definitely just felt like you had to, to get anywhere, you had to like drive or you had to you know, you had to like go at least 30 minutes before there was like proper civilization. So what was the biggest city then? High Wycombe? Like the biggest city nearby? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like High Wycombe's like a big town. So I guess High Wycombe or somewhere called Aylesbury, they were like the big towns nearby. And then like, I guess city would be Oxford. Like it's about 45 minutes away from from home. So, So yeah, that was kind of like that was that was the big city but I, I'm used to kind of like London because um my grandparents are there or were there when my mom's parents um and, and my dad's parents are still there um and we'd go and visit my mom's parents nearly every weekend so I'm kind of I'm used to that drive up um and used to the city and used to like the tube and stuff before before I kind of came came there for work so you're basically just a small town girl living in a lonely world, <laughs> but kind of London as well. So yeah, that's fine. Like, Wait, can I, can I take a wild guess? Yeah. And you mentioned that your mum's family. Yeah. So I need to actually ask you quickly before yeah. I guess is which, who is who in your parents? So you said you were half Indian, half Cambodian. Oh. What, who is who on, am I even making sense here? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like losing the plot. Who's. Which ethnicity of your parents? Okay, my dad's Cambodian, my mum's Indian. So my guess was going to be, is your mum's family from Slough? No, no, not Oh, Slough. bad guess. I might have to edit that out because I've just embarrassed myself. <laughs> have you got questions about Slough? Because I won't be able to answer them. <laughs> no, no, I don't have any questions about Slough. I literally just guessed because 
I have a lot of friends in High Wycombe, and they're in. And those of them are that are Indian. Their yeah. family lives in Slough, like their grandparents oh, wow. or whatever, because there's such a large Punjabi community there. So that was just a genuine guess. Like I completely botched that one up. So, so, in, like, so the, my my mum's family are in Northwest London. So kind of, you know, um, Alperton, like Ealing Road, um, Greenford. Um, again, again. Of, I'm doing the gun fingers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the gun. like that's you, you, know it, and it just it conjures up an image in your mind. If you if you know that area, you like know the restaurants. You know, it's it's just everyone was there, right? So you know, if you are, if you've got any kind of Indian background, they came from my grandparents lived in Uganda. Um, my mom grew up there and then came to came to London and that's where they kind of settled they had their house in in northwest um where what what Indian is your mum or your grandparents rather so whereabouts are they ethnically from in India so they're Gujarati oh big up Gujarati yeah, gang as well Gujarati, we love the Gujis yeah. we love the Gujis because there were so many um Gujaratis like I would say West India has migrated to East Africa right so there's yeah. so many Gujaratis in Uganda in Kenya Zimbabwe so yeah that's nice okay nice and your grandparents moved to England yeah so um when so they were in Uganda and there was the whole thing in the 70s with Idi Amin who didn't want Asians in Uganda anymore so they had to up and leave family businesses and everything and 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 move to London but my grandparents already had a house in London so um they they moved there and kind of lots of family moved in with them um and and then my mum my mum did a lot of her growing up in in London see that was going to be one of my other questions which is what generation do you consider yourself because yeah so would you consider yourself second gen yeah because your mum grew up here yeah well the thing is I would consider myself second gen just because I think I think you know Oh God, I don't know how to really kind of describe this, but I guess a lot of the families, or certainly when my mum talks about her upbringing, it sounds very, very Indian, right? And then you know, with my dad's background, it does sound like, you know, he did a lot of his growing up here in in the UK, but you know, you have kind of quite strong cultural ties. So his dad was a diplomat, so they lived all over the world, um, and but you know, had that very strong cultural identity. And I and I guess the thing is that now, like I've been born here, we kind of live in not the middle of nowhere, but certainly feels like it. Like I don't live with a lot of other Indian people or Cambodian people around me. You kind of have your own culture. So I would say I'm second gen, for sure. It's interesting that your dad, your dad's dad, so your granddad was a diplomat. Yeah. But then he ended up in London. So did he... Did your dad settle in London after meeting your mum, or was he already settled here? Like, do you mind explaining a little bit? Yeah, about yeah, I can, I can explain how come a your... little bit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was like another political situation. Um, there was um, a, a war in in Cambodia, and um, there was sort of no chance to sort of go back there. Um, and you know, I think so. My dad was born in the states, but then they lived in Australia as well, and then lived in England. And then they set up his parents set up a business in um, like a shop in in London, 
um, I think that in Neesden kind of area. Um, and then, you know, I think he started his high school, so kind of when he was 12, 13 in, in London. So I think it was, it was more, that's kind of how he came to be here. And my mum and um, my aunt, so kind of my, my dad's sister, were at the same school together. So I think they, they sort of knew of each other then. Um, yeah. So that's kind of that's how. such a cute love marriage like I sound like I go I go into a really Indian accent when I talk about love marriage because that's such a thing in our culture like yeah. to meet someone and then to marry outside culture yeah. which how was that like for your parents like there's so much we can unpack about you being mixed race or yeah. mixed identity but I mean what what was that like in whenever it was your parents got married, I imagine the 80s, early, like, late yeah, 80s. Yeah, 89. Um, uh, you know, I think it was probably very different for them. Like, there hadn't been that many, like, out-of-culture marriages, I think. Um, and, but I think it's it's obviously, it's much more, I was going to say it's much more common now. You know, even if I look at my cousins who've got married and stuff, actually, you know, on the Indian side, most of them have got married to Indians. Um, uh but I think at the time it was probably one of the first sort of mixed culture marriages. Um, and I think they, you know, like my, my, my mum and my dad were both very willing to learn about each other's kind of culture and language and family and, you know, kind of like get stuck in. And um, certainly kind of with like my, my dad, you know, really kind of super supportive of helping out with my grandparents and always coming down and visiting and you know that kind of thing you just you become you become a family by kind of the effort and the interest that you take and I think that's that's what they both tried to do and did they have a really peaceful marriage so um again sorry if I'm questioning based on assumptions but Obviously, if this is something quite new in the Indian community or Cambodian community, then were both parties, families like ready to accept? And I imagine there would have been some sort of hesitation. There always is, even like today in 2020. But like it was relatively fine. You know, I don't really kind of know the full story kind of behind it. I think um, they were they were kind of ready to make it work. And I think like immediate grandparents and stuff were happy I don't know kind of about the wider family but you know it's always that way of I'm sure there were people that 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 were not kind of happy about it but I think I think you either have a choice to kind of listen to those voices or you or you don't and you kind of just choose to kind of get on with your with your life build your family that kind of thing and I think that's that's the impression that I get for sure yeah absolutely and I think as long as you're a nuclear family are happy with it then who cares what like extended people well I think that's I think it's my really hard though to like I think it's really hard to not care and you have to like make a conscious effort to just be like this is this is like my life my choice that kind of thing so so I think it was probably a, a, a bit of both and you know I guess like I said like, I don't have the the full story there's just some stuff that you know I probably haven't asked enough questions about or, or wondered about either so you know, I think as you're asking questions and probably like provoking that a million questions in my head as well. So I think that's a good thing. I'm glad. And you can obviously go home and interview your parents. Well, not go home, but like get off, <laughs> off 
podcast and go interview your parents. Okay, you because I think them. the whole point is to provoke these questions and like really make you think about the the way you grew up and how it could have gone differently, but actually mm. couldn't have because of your the, the way your parents are or any generational trauma that they've inherited. And there's just mm. so much we can unpack. But um, okay, so on to you. Let's talk about you. So you were born in Box. I'm just gonna say that. I'm sorry. I really can't like butcher that. <laughs> that the county any more than I could um so you grew up in Barch you're 30 years old you're probably born 30 years ago obviously wow and how, what was that like I know I'm so good at that what was that like um growing up in Bucks so I why don't you take it at an angle as to like what was it generally like like did you have a good childhood yeah okay well, happy? I, was actually, I was actually born in in the north of England so my dad had a had a job up there like he worked in kind of engineering and, and sales and um had a job there and so we lived there for a year when I was born so there were a lot of kind of trips up north and then back down south so that you know everyone could kind of sorry, see me. sorry what what is up north like that is the most general answer right. I've ever heard anyone on an interview say up north if it's outside the m25 we don't care no like, so like, what is up this is proper up north like Darlington so like not far from Newcastle Boom, Darlington. See, I'm a northerner, so I do know the north. It's okay. Right, can, okay, okay. Are you a northerner? Yeah, I'm from Manchester. Okay, okay. So, so like Darlington is like north, north. Okay, oh, there's right. not competition, Sav. Like, I'm very aware. <laughs> I don't have the accent, so. <laughs> That's okay. So you were born in Darlington. So how, how long were you there for? So I was there for, I think, a year and a half. And then we moved down south um and I think the original plan was to kind of live in London but then kind of don't know how wound up here and had been kind of in this been growing up pretty much in the same house for the whole of my childhood and had a really really I think happy childhood as well you know um just quite always like outdoors doing things and um yeah, kind of, I think, was very much kind of always with my sister as well. So she's three years younger than me, but we're, we're really close. Um, and, you know, it's it's strange. And when I think about kind of school and things like that, you know, my school, it wasn't kind of very mixed at all. Like primary school was not mixed. Um, and, you know, I think there were even like unusual differences. Like my mum, my mum's a teacher, you know, she she would work. Um, and lots of the mums there, like, didn't. So, you know, like, their life was the school gates kind of thing. So it was, yeah, like, I think I had very different um, upbringing at home. Used to seeing both my parents at work. Used to kind of seeing them both sort of doing their own, their own thing and having their careers. Um, but also kind of spent a lot of time doing lots of fun stuff with them so like when I when I think back to my childhood it's kind of all the fun things like um baking or seeing my grandparents or you know um seeing other family and I think from a very early age you have this separation between sort of your I would call it kind of your nine to five sort of weekday life and then kind of the weekend where you are doing things that are a lot more like with your family and at least that it stayed that way right until through a lot of my high school as well you know I don't know if you had this where you would just do things as like your family gang not like with friends all the time or like going out 
I did. I wouldn't say I did it so much in high school because yeah. I had a bit of like a complex relationship with my dad. Yeah. But I mean, definitely, even now, I still would prefer to hang out with them than some of my friends. Um, and the weekends, especially, I can really relate because my dad would work all the time Monday yeah. to Friday. And then the weekend, it was like a completely different situation. Like we'd go out, we'd go to the park, we'd go for picnics yeah. or like days out or like holidays. And it was really enjoyable. So I can I can completely appreciate where you're coming from. Mm. Um, and kind of like, what are your, just to put you on the spot, what's your like fondest memory with your fam? Oh my gosh. So quite a few. I think a lot of it is just that we laugh a lot together. And, you know, I think a big thing was that when we were growing up, like, you know, you have, you all sit down together for dinner at the end of the day and just chat about kind of what's been happening and just have a good conversation, like a good laugh. They, my parents and my sister and I, I think we all love to laugh together and, you know, um, make fun of each other and um it's just it's like I, you can, can't see my face now obviously but I'm smiling a lot because it's those memories that I really cherish and I think like when we come back together for things like Christmas or like, any festivals or just like if we're all at home at the weekend that come back to my to my parents place then that's the thing that I look forward to the most just like we get to all spend time with each other it's yeah it's really soppy but like it's true. no that's really it's really sweet um <laughs> you have to be honest like I don't expect to be like yeah I'm, I want to go out and get fucked up with my friends all the time like sometimes <laughs> the, the, the small things in life are like enjoying it with your parents and especially as you get older right you start to appreciate them more because they're all they're getting older and like yeah. you just want to hang out with them all the time and I, I completely get it like my, my parents were quite I think like youngish when they had me like they were in their mid-20s um so and that's so weird now like being like 13 being like yeah like if I was my mum I would have a five-year-old by now like a five-year-old and a two-year-old that is crazy I cannot imagine doing that and like not living not living in the city and not being able to see friends like your family is your life um but but you know, like they were always very kind of like keen for me just to do whatever I want and try kind of whatever I want to do. So I got a lot of freedom, um, relative to I think a lot of the other families now that that I know about, where you know children are of Indian background or, or kind of um, East Asian or Southeast Asian background. So like I'm really happy about that. Like they're they're very like relaxed people. Okay, picture this scenario. You're 16 years old. Yeah. And you, I don't actually don't know what you were like in high school at all. So sorry if I made this up. But so you're 16 years old and yeah. you've just been caught in a house party or yeah. a party in a field with your friends and you've stolen a bottle of alcohol from your home and your dad has to pick you up because you've thrown up like everywhere <laughs> and your friends have called them. Like, what, what is this? What's the situation at home? I can just, you know, what I can hear right now on the on the phone is the silence of like, you know, like you know that hanging disappointment. You know when someone's there, yeah. and, like, and you can basically you can barely hear them breathe, and you know that they're so pissed off they literally cannot talk to you, or probably when they come and see you, like even look at you. I think they would just be so mad. And then the next day it would be like we were, we'd have like a chat about it and be like we're mad because we're concerned, kind of thing. But they've been oh, really. You know. See, that sounds really like 
not South Asian or Southeast Asian. <laughs> that sounds like really nice and like not nice. I mean, the silence is threatening for sure. But to even have that conversation, it is not like them yelling at you and being like, right, you're not going to do anything now for two years. I, I think, you know, the reason that I say that it would be like that is because I think I was so scared of even getting into um, trouble in that way, like even getting to the point where it'd be a screaming match. Because I mean, I have had screaming. I've had like absolutely like blazing rows like, with my parents and it actually like it drains the energy out of me because you just think like, I just can't deal with this. And, you know, I'd always, you know, majority of the time, like at home, there'd be a mixture of... Gujarati in English but when my mum got mad it was like Gujarati full force right and it would be like she'd be <laughs> shouting and do that thing where you know she's also doing a task so imagine like folding laundry but moving from room to room and still shouting at you yes yes yeah? that's you such know? a South Asian parent thing and even when they're not in your presence like they're in the other room in the other house and they're still ranting yeah and 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 th- this is the thing I was so scared of that kind of thing happening because it didn't it wasn't like it happened with frequency. So it wasn't like you were, I was like used to it or it was habitual, right? But when it did happen, it was like the worst. So the situation that you described of like parents catching you in a field or you being like really drunk, mate, for them, for, for a parent to have to be called out in that kind of situation, like it would have been like the hospital couldn't do anything with me kind of thing. I'd have, I, would, I would beg, para, you know, if it, if I'd been in that situation, I'd be like begging paramedics to like not call my parents because, man, there would be there would be silence and then there would be like silence for a few days and then there would be the talk of like we were worried about you and all of this kind of stuff. But, yeah, I just, the fear stopped me from doing a lot of stuff when when a lot of people at school were doing things like, oh, you meet up in the local park and like, have a drink together or like get really get pissed at a house party that kind of thing I was always I think for that reason like if you want to imagine me as a 16 year old I was mainly quite good um and like I think I, I had a lot of fun like with friends and stuff but I would never kind of push it to doing anything illegal or getting in getting in trouble in that way because I just the fear kept me back for sure and okay let's touch upon this fear a little bit more who were you more scared of as like growing up so was it your Indian mum or your Cambodian dad was it both like whose culture this is a really messed up question to ask I'm gonna get bullied for this whose culture do you feel like is a little bit more stricter and it could be that it's non because actually your parents are second gen yeah. Uh, sorry first gen and they grew up here themselves so they've 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 had to unlearn a lot of the things they grew up with yeah but I mean as a general what would your answer be for different reasons I think because my dad never loses his rag usually if he was to lose it you would know like shit was bad bad right but I think I think when I was younger, at least, like my mum would do my, a lot of the, the like the disciplining, so kind of the telling off and the shouting, and we would get into like little arguments. Um, so it would be, it would be her, and there's just like, oh, I don't know if you have this, but there's like a tone of voice that is used, or then and then and then like Gujarati comes out full flow, basically, and then you think that's it, my life's over. <laughs> so I think like for different for different reasons I think I was more shocked if it was my dad 
but I think I was still pretty I just never wanted to like I never I never really wanted to piss your give mom them off. a reason to feel disappointed <laughs> yeah I feel you were you I mean you went to Oxford right you went to University of Oxford yeah so you're from what I understand a naturally smart person and you probably were a straight A student um unless like by some miracle 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 they <laughs> let you in uh, for no reason but um I mean from from your track record you seem to be quite studious so growing up did you ever feel like you had a pressure from your parents to go to a really good uni or like pursue a certain path well yes and no I had I think I I felt the pressure to like do well and I think part of that is also that you know, my, with my mum being like a teacher as well, it's just like, okay, well, you know, obviously you're not going to piss about in lessons and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I think also like, you just get kind of ambition sort of drilled into you a, a little bit. Um, and I, I think I just, I always wanted to like be the best that I could be and, sort of do do really well also for myself because I was always told you know like that will help you for your future that will help you for your future but you know I never had pressure to kind of go and do medicine or anything like that definitely you'd get from other other kind of family friends like oh like if you're gonna go and do studied languages at uni if you're gonna go and do language at uni you're definitely gonna become a teacher and I'm like well no and I obviously haven't ended up as a teacher um even though you know that would be perfectly like great career to go into I I never kind of saw university as a way into a career I just saw it as a way to kind of do something that you really liked and have a lot of fun and then I think I wanted to always do something in like an arts thing so that I could choose to go down different paths basically it was yeah yeah I that makes sense and also it's a bit rude for them to be like oh you're just going to end up being a teacher, fully knowing that your mum's a teacher. Like, where is the logic in that? Because, do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, I, it's always a bit of a slap in the face to your to your own parents, right? Yeah, did you not... yeah you know, it, you know I, I, I think... But I think the thing is that the people that were saying that kind of stuff were definitely of a certain generation where you study to become something. Like, you know, like you study for... Not for... Not for pleasure of a subject or like you know um, interest. It's like you study for vocation. So you know you go to uni to study to be a doctor to become like consultant. You know in ten years time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that was I never ever had ever had that pressure from my mom or dad to like you have to follow a certain kind of trajectory. Um, and I think for that reason, any kind of like ambition that I have is definitely definitely my own so I always feel really comfortable with it and I think I guess you know you can look at like my LinkedIn and be like oh yeah like she's done done all this stuff I went to that university but I I took a I took a gap year and it wasn't a wasn't necessarily a planned one so I was about to go to um uni to to read a completely different subject um and then the week before I was like no you know what I think I actually want to like <laughs> move to France for a little bit and do like, oh. a course there and then I want to go travel oh. and do that um and this was a week before I was meant to kind of get going to university and my parents were 
I think at first like not cool with it but then like totally on board like I remember driving driving to Paris with my dad and I didn't have anywhere to live didn't even know if I'd got into this university course right and then um we managed to like fix everything up in like three days and that was it was a big deal I think to not go straight to uni and to like take that year off and I guess it was like the first rebellious thing that I had done or like any I don't think any of my cousins or anyone uh, even since has really kind of taken like a year out to just do stuff they wanted to do just for themselves yeah firstly I mean your parents being okay with it eventually is like a huge feat in itself because it's not really typical of like not immigrant parents but like ethnic parents I want to say oh, and the yeah. second thing is is like I like let's focus on the word that you use you said rebellious for me a, for me now at the yeah. age of like 25 turning 26 yeah I wouldn't class not going to university for a particular degree because I don't want to do it not as rebellious but smart because I'm not going to waste I'm not about to drop like thousands of pounds on a degree I don't really want to do. Right. And it's weird that you called it rebellious because I, I, like 10 years ago, I would have thought that was really rebellious. I would have been like, no, I don't want to do it. It's not like, it's not like you said, the tra- trajectory that we're expected to be on. Yeah. Um, What degree were you going to do? Do you mind sharing? Um, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't even that like, drastically different. I think it was like, I'd see this. It, it literally was like 10 years ago. So, um, I think like history, international studies with French. Um, oh, rogue! Yeah, so it it was, <laughs> it wasn't. It was you know, kind of languages based, but like more history and politics. Like I've always really been interested in that. And then I don't know. I think it was just I I, I really like loved French literature, culture, and spending kind of four months there, like at at uni doing a course in French like everything was in French I was like oh this is what I really want to do like it'll be really fun and um you know it was I think it did take a lot of time for them to like wrap their heads around it and you know I think we are very much like a family unit so I think my mum was like upset and worried like oh this 18 year old who has never really like lived away from home is now living in this big city wandering about and doing like crazy shit and I you know I did do some stuff there that I'm definitely not proud of um, um, but that's a. I think that's that's a story for, for e- even either this podcast or like some other time. But um, uh, they they really could not wrap their heads around me going to do some work with Red Cross in Uganda, and that was a big deal. And that was kind of like my grandparents. Whoa, 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 whoa! Pause, pause. You just said you went to France to do a course. Yeah. Now you're in the Red Cross in yeah. Uganda. Where was I'm sorry, there was no time lapse between these two things. So when did this when did the Red Cross thing happen? So so I was in France from August until January of I think January January two thousand and nine and then the Red Cross thing happened at the end of January for three months. So I was um it was like through one of my friends at the time his his like I don't know I think a, a contact of theirs basically did some did some work for the Red Cross and and had their own sort of charity to help a few villages in Uganda and asked if you know we'd like to go and volunteer and I was like yeah really really up for this but you know I mean I'd never taken a long-haul flight until that point and 
that it was at that point that you know like my parents and my grandparents kicked it up a gear you know they wouldn't let me go until they had met <laughs> they had met the person that ran the charity like basically like drilled her got met the person. from my sorry met the person yeah met the person met the person in uganda no not in uganda they were in the uk but like right they got wanted you, got to, you. They wanted to i was meet, like yeah they wanted to like right. meet with them my grandparents had questions that you know my parents asked on their behalf they wanted to like know what the itinerary was going to be for like three months like it was i i almost thought that that trip wasn't going to happen but then that is understand. See, from an outsider perspective, I can see why they'd be so concerned, given that your grandparents fled Uganda in the seventies, yeah. and now that probably one of the only impressions or experiences they've last had is this fleeing situation. Yeah. So I can I can get it from an outsider. I'm not trying to sound like an Indian auntie, but like I can I can get the situation, and also the fact you were 18, right? You just said you've never been on a long haul flight. Yeah. You never. I mean, you just about went to Paris and did crazy shit. Then you were about to go to Uganda, where it's a little bit less controlled and regulated. Like, the police there are bribed. Like, yeah. there is still civil conflict there to some extent. And I get it. But, I mean, how was your time in Uganda? Like, was, was that eye-opening for you? Yeah, no, it was amazing. I had I had the best time because... Um, I mean, you know, all the stuff that you said makes sense now, like, in hindsight. But at the time, I was like... Um, like I've already like lived alone like I I, I know myself like I'm going to be absolutely fine I'll take care of myself I'm super responsible but you know I think if if that was my kid right I would I would be the exact same as well I'd be kind of freaked out but I you know I don't my, my the friend that I went with was English and his parents were like totally chill with it it was like yeah just kind of you know go and like gap year is fine and you were always going to take this whereas you know this is like an unplanned year for me and my parents were like in uncharted territory no one else none of the cousins had gone and done anything like this so it was all very strange but I had I had a great time out there and like you know one like enjoyed working with so many different people but also a lot of my family obviously have never gone back Uganda so when I was telling them oh I'm going to be out there they were like oh are you going to be in Jinja are you going to be in Kampala are you going to look around you know and I, I really wanted to like follow some places where they had been and they'd lived and like take loads of photos for them because I remember one aunt in particular was like oh like does it does the street still look like this and you know did you manage to um, go like near the river and stuff like we've got so many like nice memories there so I was kind of using that time to sort of trace back some of their history and that was that was amazing and it did it it made you think like how how can how could how what would it have been like to like flee your homeland and everything that you know and everything that is normal to come to a completely different country I just don't I don't I can't like compute what that would be like at all so those hearing those stories and then hearing about what it was like when they were here when they were in Uganda rather was just was just so great and it was cool to kind of go back to some of the places um, and imagine them there as well yeah it's quite emotional as well like for you because like you said it's to go back to a place where they probably never gone back to since they fled or 
might have gone back a couple of times, but not really. And then to experience their life, but also just trace your heritage. And this is something I've been exploring in my lockdown yeah. um, about looking back to my actual lineage. Like mm. it's a very old fashioned thing to do, but it's it takes up a lot of time. And it's really interesting once you kind of start to fit the pieces of a puzzle together to say, oh, like my great aunt married this guy and he's from a different background to us. And so I'm actually, I have some roots or connections elsewhere. And mm. it's a really, um, I think Ugandan Indians, especially, they're very, they're, they are very, um, what's the word? Diverse, I want to say. Mm. Like my boyfriend is Kenyan Indian or like mm. his his dad is, and they speak Swahili. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't relate to like British Indians because they have their own community of like African Indians. Yeah. It's wild, yeah. So for me, it's really interesting to know, even if they are not African because they're not black or like African by heritage. Yeah, they are their own diverse set of people. Yeah, if that makes sense, I hope that makes sense. No, no, it doesn't make doesn't make does make sense because you know, like even with um the Gujarati that my family speak, there are some words that are. Swahili as well that that we will use in place of like the traditional Gujarati word if that makes sense so it's like a mashup of cultures and I just yeah you, you kind of build your own communities and I think that's probably the reason why you know a lot of my family is very close-knit and tight-knit and people have got kind of communities not just around all being kind of an African Indian but also being kind of of a certain caste as well or like you know yeah absolutely um, from certain village you know like I don't know if it's like this with your like aunties and uncles but you know they're like from certain villages and they can be like oh yeah yeah." you know we still we've never been to like this area of India but we're from that village and it's like okay um how do you feel such a tie to that you know like if someone said to me like oh um you know you're from Buckinghamshire I'd be like no I'm from like the UK I don't consider myself as like from this particular area or you know like I'm 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 tied to it in some way certainly like not my village I wouldn't tie my heritage back here but people do that and I find that interesting but then isn't that so I don't know if the comparison you're using is relative to the comparison of India because typically I think what happens is when I find, and I actually talk about this in another podcast episode, hmm. when you're speaking to someone of the same background as you or ethnicity as you, so if in, me being Indian, I will always explain where I'm from in India. And I will say, I'm from Bihar. I was born in this place called Patna. And like 80% of the time, they'll know what it is. Hmm. And the 20% of the time they don't, they kind of know where roughly it is. Yeah. Now, when I speak to a white person or a black person yeah. or anyone who's not Indian I'm always like I'm from India and I'll never go into the village I'll never go into the detail of town unless they ask and I feel like if you were British and I asked you as a British person where you from straight away you said Bucks like there was never a I'm from the UK I'm from the south it was a I'm from Bucks like I grew up in this really small village and I think that's the affiliation that you have it's like these people that they grew up in this middle of nowhere India um like a small village and they're moved but the only people that they're speaking to are the Indians who will probably know what the village is. And like, yeah. I think that's why I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's as relative, but there are some people maybe, mm, I'm, I'm trying to think second gens. So people like yourself. Yeah. So your mum and dad or your mum, for example, is from a specific village in Gujarat. 
Do right. you feel affiliated to that village? Like, do you have any sense of belonging there? I mean, like, historically, yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting, like, you can't see me now, but I I probably look more Cambodian than I do Indian. But a lot of the time, I think culturally, I think because we were exposed to a lot more Indian stuff growing up, I feel very Indian. I'm really curious about that background and loved hearing kind of stories about my grandma growing up there and that kind of thing. So I would say, yeah, I definitely do feel that, do feel that affiliation in some senses, even though I've never been there, which is, which is strange, but I, I definitely want to. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think because my granddad also kind of grew up in Uganda, um, but my grandma didn't. So they, they had very different sort of growing up experiences too. Um, and I think in a way that those kind of different experiences make me feel close to them because I think actually all of us in our different generations have got mixed backgrounds and mixed cultures. And so I think for that reason, you know, we were talking about mixed marriages earlier. That's the reason why it probably works is that they're no stranger to somebody coming in with a completely different experience um, and sort of making a home somewhere new. That's a really good point because of your grandparents, you just, that that's yeah. a good point and um I've never thought of it like that because my grandparents on both sides are from the same village same caste whatever and married each other and whereas your grandparents have had very different lifestyles as well during their yeah. marriage that's probably why they're a bit more open to it like that completely and logically makes sense yeah, um completely I just um, want to ask sorry go on no no I was just gonna no go on I was gonna wang on about how much I think my grandma is amazing, but anyway, you you carry oh on. God, let's hear let's hear about grandma. No, I just no. I just what think... do you, do you do you guys do you call her Ba? No, well, um, because it's it's on mum's side. We call them Nana is granddad and Nani is grandma. So okay, no, because you're Gujarati, right? And yeah. I feel like all Gujaratis call their grandma Ba, but it's it's not. If it's thing? their dad's mum, then that's why. I got okay. you. Okay, yeah, so I say Nana Nani as well. So do you talk about your Nani? Let's go for it. Yeah, no, I mean, like, she she grew up in India and then, you know, met this family friend, my granddad. They got married and then she moved from India to Uganda. Like, that's a, you know, like, in the days when you had to get a ship to go to East Africa. Um, And, you know, like, super highly educated woman, um, you know, went to university, studied, studied kind of... um, like biology at the time and then you know did all this kind of uh, biological research and stuff as well like you know scientific grown up educated and and then makes one big move to East Africa and starts a family and then makes another huge move to London and like just carries on as if it's all normal I just don't know how people do that and I think it's incredible and I don't think when she was alive I really kind of gave it like loads and loads of thought but you know it's like she's lived through like partition all this kind of stuff which huge like shifts and I think one of my big regrets is always like not delving into that more I mean I think she was a very private person anyway so I don't know if she would have gone on about it at all but I just think making those kind of big leaps in a time where you know you're your, the main way you can communicate with your family is through letters it's just wild that's actually wild. Your nanny is a boss ass bee. Or yeah, was a is. boss ass bee. 
But um, I think, you know, you mentioned, oh, she might, she was a private person, so I don't yeah. know if she would have answered. But maybe it's just because people, no one provoked her to answer the questions. Because I think when you grow up in a different, and this is a generational thing, yeah. it's not even an ethnicity thing, you're expected to do that. And that's like your duty as a woman to adjust to your surroundings yeah. and make sure everyone's doing the best. And like, she's just trying to make it, you know, she, like mm. I said, she was doing her research. She got married. She moved. She had to adapt. She couldn't complain. She couldn't cry. Like, who would she go to? So I feel like if you'd asked those questions, maybe you would have got answers. But then now you know as yeah. well, like, now you know as well, like, the kind of thoughts or you sometimes just sit. And I don't know if you ever get emotional thinking about how much she would have had to go through, even though she never expressed it. Because I thought moving from Manchester to London was a big deal. I was like, oh my God, I've just done this. I can't believe it. I've just gone and moved to the city by myself. <laughs> like, I'm so misindependent. Cue Beyonce. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas your nanny's like, just casually getting a ship across like the Indian Ocean. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. And like, you know, was of a different cast to like my granddad. And I, I think that that meant a big, that meant a big deal back then more so than it does now. Right. And I just kind of think, yeah, she just like took it in her stride. Um, and if it had been me, I'd be like, mate, trust me, the Insta stories would be mad, first of all. Um, and, you know, I just don't know if I could have dealt with that without kind of just sw- swallowing any kind of emotion about it and just yeah. kind of getting on with it. But they're of that generation where it's just like, oh, another problem, another setback. Let me just continue and survive and thrive, you know. Exactly. And I just have a lot of respect for... I think our grandparents who've done it, and my grandma actually has a very similar story, not transatlantic, not transatlantic, that's definitely not the sea that I'm talking about, trans-Indian, <laughs> what? But um, yeah, I, th- I think that this just goes to show that we need an ode to the grandparents. And mm-hmm. actually, just to flag, um, I've been studying a lot on psychology and mm. I learned recently about generational trauma, which is trauma that's passed down generation to generation. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you've ever had a grandparent fight in the war mm-hmm. and they suffer from PTSD, then they inadvertently pass down their coping mechanisms and like psycho like psycho symptoms, so like depression, anxiety, um, mood swings, panic disorder, et cetera, to their kids. And then their kids act out onto their kids. So it's like a grant. It just goes generation to generation, for example. Yeah. It's interesting to hear about the African Indian community in particular, like take, give, giving your grandparents because they obviously fled. So if you take your grandma, she not only moved from India to Uganda, right. she probably had to make a pause in her career. She left her family behind. She might have suffered. I mean, I'm just pulling stuff out of the blue but like she might have suffered from depression because she wasn't around her like family or friends and like then when she got to Uganda she had to flee right so she literally got involved in a war some people decided they didn't like Indians so Mm. she probably suffered discrimination racial bias had to literally leave everything at the drop of a hat and then settle into London and think about all the trauma that she would have carried with her and how if that would have in any way been handed down to her kids. And from what it sounds like, your nanny's a pretty chill woman. Like she was really, she sounds like a really lovely lady. But I find that in our South Asian community, this is not talked about. And like often like parents lash out onto their kids. And then when the kids grow up and become parents, they lash out onto their kids. And it's like, 
it is really like I, I was actually shocked to read so much about it because it explains a lot mm. um but it's just another food for thought for you I guess to like look into and research um and not and more broadly as well like outside your own family like yeah. if you're ever interested into looking at Indian East Africans then yeah. there's definitely a route you can explore tell me I mean, I, I think I know. I think that's really. I think that's really interesting. That like, I would love to like know more about that. And I, I think that there probably def- there is something around kind of trauma. And 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 I think kind of in there's definitely kind of like a. I think that's the reason for a lot of the parenting styles as well. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about that. Of like, some things are kind of people are really strict on, and other things people are super lenient on. And it's because they've been influenced by kind of their parents and the and other pressures and you know I think always being outsiders as well if you look at kind of my my family where you know you've got you've got a real mishmash of people with different lived experiences like no wonder that is gonna affect you um I think it I think if I look at me I think it makes me much more aware that other people have different experiences and I think it gives me a lot of empathy um I hope I th- you know, I, I think I think it does like with my work, but I wonder. There's definitely other ways it's probably affected me, and now I want to know. I want to read everything. So, um, thanks for that. You are so welcome. Um, I'm conscious that we literally do not have too much time left because an episode's an hour. Lol. But I've got questions to ask you about like growing up with your identity. So, um, to the audience listening, we had a quick conversation before we start recording, and Sav mentioned around during this lockdown she's now moved back home into like back with her parents and she's been trying to think a lot about like growing up different cultures being accepting of cultures and then getting to a point where you not only accept it you acknowledge like why people are the way they are or like why things were the way they were so Sav I mean how was it growing up mixed heritage um like what are your thoughts and like what are your reflections it's really weird. No one has no one has actually asked me that question ever. Um, but I think I learned to compartmentalise my identity very early on. And I think a lot of people who are of mixed background have this, where at home you are a different person to, like, how you are at school. Like, I remember very clearly, you know, even at primary school, you'd have to fill in those little things of like, oh, like, what did you eat yesterday? And even that was kind of like a political fucking minefield for me. I'd be like, how do I describe curry? Like, these people will not understand what that is or how will they understand, like, what dal is? I, You know, or, you know, how how do I even begin to talk about that? So I'd just be like, oh, I had a potato. Um, <laughs> kind of and leave, the primary leave, school teacher was like, like, what the fuck? Like, she's being malnourished. <laughs> exactly, potato eating weirdo yeah exactly so I, I definitely kind of it would just be different like your house smells different your, your what you how you are with your family is just different I was just acutely aware of like difference all the time compared to probably the majority of my friends who were like, English basically um so so yeah I don't know if that answers the question somewhat but um and I think kind of being mixed as well you know there's I think there's a lot there's a lot of similarities between Southeast Asian culture and South Asian culture in terms of kind of parents and sort of expectations of family and like how you're how how you're meant to be like in the you know at school or like at work or you know 
all immigrant families are really ambitious from my experience for their kids and I don't think that was any different with my own family they didn't really put pressure on me but it was it was one of those like I can't describe it but that one of those unspoken things in a way of just like do well or like try hard at school and that kind of thing um but I think even from like um language and stuff like that um it was just you know I had had kind of a very interesting like international mix at home so there was that whole thing I think I probably speak Gujarati better than I do Cambodian but I understand everything that's the thing and I think like my Cambodian grandma would always be like oh it's just a shame that you like don't speak properly um and you know I'd still feel like guilty about those things even though there's nothing I can really do about it I think languages just take practice yeah. um yeah just 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 kind of that feeling of like not quite fitting into a bucket and even when I was at uni I mean there's just like at Oxford in particular it wasn't really kind of like that diverse like my school was I think there were a lot of people of Chinese background there were a few Asians um you know as in Indians um not that many black people um and then everybody else was kind of English really so I just I I always had a feeling of like not quite fitting in and then even with like my Indian family not fitting in because at the Cambodian side and on the Cambodian side not fully fitting in because you know I had this I had this Indian side so yeah I think I, that's that's why I kind of I have throughout my life kind of stuck close with my sister in particular because I think other people don't really understand that experience in the same way and I think that's why we've always been really close language is so important um uh, just hearing you talk about it actually really gave me food for thought because language I think is a connector as well to your cultural identity you know you mm. mentioned like oh your grandma was like oh I just wish you could speak it and I think my mm. I have a younger sister as well who's three years younger than me actually and she speaks Hindi quite well but probably not as fluent as she should in order to have a good conversation with my grandparents and I remember mm. she felt very disconnected for a really large number of years. I would say like almost her entire childhood plus like a bit more into her adult life um, where she felt very disengaged with being Indian because she didn't understand the mm. conversation. She didn't really understand the films. She couldn't really speak to my grandparents. It, it became it became like that make or break factor. Like it wasn't that she wasn't eating Indian food or wearing enough Indian clothes or like listening to Indian music or like do you know what I mean it was just the language yeah. it just made her feel so disaffiliated so it's actually crazy because it's really important and I know you went to uni and studied French and then you know all yeah. and other missed languages medieval or modern languages and then um <laughs> and then obviously you speak Gujarati you speak Hindi oh, sorry Gujarati English Cambodian you do you speak another one um Spanish oh you're Look at you, uh, Mr. Worldwide. Pitbull's got nothing on you. Um, <laughs> Pitbull, Pitbull coming for you, yeah. Um, but it, it is a thing. It's a, it's a make or break factor. And I think looking back, you should be really happy that you can at least engage with your ancestors. That's a weird word to use. But you know what I mean? Like an extended side of the yeah, family. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I think one of the things that I always used to 
I used to hate it so much. Like, at Nana Nanny's house, you know, you'd go in and the ZTV was always on. Like, I don't know if you had this with your grandparents, but it was always on. There's always some Indian soap in the background. And we'd go on holiday with them. And I, this is my grand, this was my granddad's superpower. He would find ZTV no matter whatever location. Anywhere in, in the world. <laughs> anywhere in the world. We went to bloody Wales, right? And I was like, that's amazing. They've only got four TV channels. The guy will not find it found out they had a skybox right and then that was it ZTV was on in the middle of like Pembrokeshire in Wales you know surrounded by sheep and ZTV that was that was kind of like these were my holidays it would be, no matter where you were there was like a slice of Hindi or something in the background always um but I'm really grateful for that now because I think like that the the kind of Music and dramas you and films. They like so much that from bloody ZTV and Star Plus. And there's another one, oh, yeah. Sony TV, I think. I learned all oh, my yeah, Sony TV. through these dumb shows. Kyuki Sazbi Kabi Bauti. Did anyone watch that? <laughs> Honestly, please message me if you watch the show. Sav, I, I like, I'm actually lolling to myself because I just can't <laughs> believe ZTV is like ancient. I've not even heard of the yeah. word ZTV in like 10 years. Well, okay, ZTV is, yeah, but I mean, that is when my grandparents would be watching it. And then also they listen to this radio station, Sunrise Radio. Sunrise don't know if you've radio. heard of that. Yeah, bro. I was, yeah. that was not the tune, by the way. I don't know what the fuck I just did there. Sunrise Radio. Yes. And then it was so cheesy. <laughs> yes. And then, then it came along like BBC Asian Sound Network and like, yeah. The, but Sunrise was a OG. Yeah, I, I get it. That was OG. Yeah. And like, that is still what my, and my grandparents play. So if you turn on their radio, that's still what it's tuned to. And I'm just like, how? Did they listen how? to really old school, like Indian songs as well? Like, like the classics, like the classical music. I don't even know, like, what genre, like Kishore. There's a, there was a lot. Oh, there was a lot of like film music. And even at my, um, granddad's funeral we played one of his favorite tunes from from a film called old film called like roger um Ooh. and i always remember it and you can find it on spotify I'll, I'll send it to you after this but you know whenever i hear there's certain tunes that whenever i hear them or certain films whenever i watch them because i watched it with them that i get emotional because it reminds me not just not just the storyline is emotional but you know it reminds me of like those Saturday evenings where you know you would spend three hours, you know, sat with them having choro and like little nasta things and watching a movie. Like it's just it's nice now to think back. But I, I used to don't get me wrong, I used to think, why are we here every weekend just like sat talking? But now I look back and I'm like, yeah, that was great. Oh, I'm glad it's very nostalgic. <laughs> nostalgic and I I have loads of nasta so I can just post you some. I've got like a stash, yeah. a fat stash hidden somewhere in my house, I'm sure. Um, just yeah. um, on your sister. So your sister's the only other person you know of the same ethnicity yeah. of you as you. Sorry. Yeah. And like, I, I assume that you're just very close, your best friend's kind of sisters. What What is your experience now like as an adult, as a 30-year-old woman with, and obviously your sister as well, with your cultural identities? So like, yeah. What's your favorite thing about being mixed heritage Cambodian Indian? Um, I think for us it's food, honestly. Like I think kind of Southeast Asian food 
there's a particular flavour to it. And I think we really like enjoy doing that together. And then I think also it's just like, there's just like, an, there's some things you don't have to explain as well. You, because, you know, she, we know each other's shit. We know each other's like cultural history and stuff. And there's just some things which I think are complex about being, you know, mixed heritage. And I think also, you know, she, she's in, she's been in like a long-term relationship with an English guy for ages and, you know, still has to kind of explain some stuff, you know, like this is just how we do things or these are the kinds of things that I really miss. So like with Diwali, like that's a big thing for us because not that necessarily, you know, we are doing all the religious stuff, but like the gathering together. And I think she doesn't have to explain that kind of stuff to me or like the need to sometimes eat certain food or listen to certain music or just kind of like be around our culture, you know, um yeah I think I think that's kind of why we get on so well like we, we both went to the same uni right and we did the same course and there was this girl and um, bloody hell that's like twinning to yeah. another level right twinning to another level which was mad and um there was a girl that I was in a, in a play with and she was like oh my god there's this girl who is I think she's I think she's half Indian, half Chinese, or Indian and Cambodian, like you. And um, she's hilarious. Like you're gonna, you're gonna love her. Like you're, you know, I'm gonna have a party. You're gonna meet her. And then anyway, I, I kind of bumped into her a couple of weeks later at a pub, and she was like, "Oh my god, that friend that I was telling you about, like she's here. Do you want to meet her?" And obviously, like the punchline is, it was my sister, and we were like, we laughed so hard because I was so excited about meeting like <laughs> someone that was Indian and Cambodian, right? Never heard of that before. I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. And then it was her. I was like, Jesus, man, already met this one. Already know her. <laughs> that's, that's too much. That's actually really funny. I, I'm going to try and find someone Indian Cambodian. I'm sure there are other Indian Cambodians out there. We just There's like an unexplored, untapped pool of <laughs> these people. Yeah find me I want to meet you I want to like know everything about you and like whether we grew up in the same way so um so yeah definitely I'm gonna I mean that's quite a funny story it wasn't (laughs) I mean it's just silly but like it really makes every time I think about it it just makes me laugh because I'm just like there is there definitely is no other Indian or Cambodians, you know. And like I was you like, got your Oxford, hopes like, up so high. Chances? But you got your hopes up so high. I really want I really wish it was like a blind date where you your friend had like your mutual friend had set this person up. So like your sister. Yeah. And then you went to a cafe and then like you wait for them to walk in. It was just your sister. Yeah. It's been so funny. I really it was, but it was like she, she my sister was like sat down like not even facing me and then she then this girl like tapped her on the shoulder and I couldn't you know she had her hair down and I was like I don't know who this is and then as soon as she turned around I was just like honestly I like practically wet myself laughing it was just too good. oh no I'm it's, it's one of but she's she's great like she's like she has saved my skin so many times just like with stuff at uni or I don't know I think if either of us is having like, a difficult time with mum or dad like we're the first people that we turn to you know and I think even if that's why I think you know I am my saddest if ever we are fighting the two of us because that's like my main I think we're, we're each other's kind of we're quite big supports in each other's lives definitely got like really good friends and stuff but I think from like the cultural side of things it's some things are just like hard to explain. I don't know if you have this with your sister where you just you just like get each other in a different way. Hundred percent. Like we don't you know how with the sister bond, I don't even have to explain myself to my sister. Like 
Yeah. I'll just say, and sometimes we're on family group chats because my parents live in Australia and we were on a WhatsApp call last night, like a video one. And my dad was just talking and me and my sister just looked at each other like through the camera. And obviously it's, it's a multi-faced screen, right? You don't even know who's looking at who. Yeah. But I knew we both just caught each other's eyes and we just started laughing because like my dad was just like <laughs> pure shit. And we were just like, mm-hmm, okay. It's one of those un- unsaid connections i imagine that's yeah. what you've got with your sister as well yeah it's, it's definitely it's definitely like that and i don't know like she 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 had like a bit of a hard time recently there was like a, a she's a teacher as well and like a student was was racist towards her and you know we talked about it but the thing is that i think um you know other people can definitely empathize but i think having someone who really understands it and discussing it with them is like a totally different thing. And you, you just, you just get it on a different level, I think. Um, and, and, you know, like the, the racial slur that was leveled at her was, uh, you know, quite an old one that people would, would kind of direct at people of Indian or Pakistani. I'm not going to say it because it's just, there's no point, but, um, and, it just feels weird because that's that's part of our heritage, it's not our whole heritage. And I think other people don't really get that or appreciate it. So I think in that instance, we were the only two people that would understand what that might feel like. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can appreciate that. And I mean I think there's no awards for guessing what the slur was. But I nope. mean it's so weird because if if your sister looks anything like you, that's like not the slur I would go with. Like if I was racist, do you know what I mean? Like it's just so rant. It's like the most rogue. That I I mean I'm so sorry that your sister went through that, but to think that it's just 2020 and people are still using that phrase, and yeah, but it sh- it shows that people's probably their parents use it. Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Um, because maybe they're of that generation. But it's really funny. Like I I think I definitely have got like the face of my if you have like the four of us lined up so me and my sister my mom and dad I've got my dad's face shape for sure and then my sister's got my mum's face shape so my mom obviously is Indian and my sister's definitely got kind of more Indian features um and I never think that the two of us look alike but everyone that we know is like oh my god yeah you can definitely tell your sisters I don't see it yet but you know if people are saying that I look like her like she's she's pretty cool and and looks great so I'm I'm, I'll take that I love that this episode has just become like you fangirling about your family like that's all I needed (laughs) like today on a Sunday is like positive affirmations about you chatted about your mum your dad your nanny is a boss as B your sister's a boss as B I was like yep okay cool you've got a cool family like we need to be friends now so all good um, we have got to the end of the episode, but I've got a couple of questions for you, which is something new for this yeah. season, actually. And there's really rapid fire rounds, so you can't take more than like okay. three seconds to answer any of these. Okay. So, what okay, is your favorite food? Um, pani puri. 100%. Amazing choice. Do you know what you you haven't even spoke about Cambodian food once in this episode? I was very upset. Oh no! But wait, there is there's definitely kind of some good stuff there my dad makes some amazing Cambodian street food snacks like and he he got put on furlough for part of um lockdown and so was just like experimenting with with all this stuff there's these like um coconut 
sort of rice balls that you put spring onions into and then you dip it into this kind of spicy sour sauce and I don't know what it's called but anyway like that is amazing and he makes these amazing kind of um uh spring like a like a spring roll kind of salad so you like cut up like spring rolls into salad and it's got like a really tangy dressing and I absolutely I just like love that and then a lot of like really good stuff with um fried tofu as well what is the names um... of these dishes you're just describing ingredients you're like yeah carrots lettuce (laughs) lettuce and a bit (laughs) in my head (laughs) yeah so I guess it's kind of like a, a, a rice wrap right so it's got like glass noodles in it and then you put um kind of pickled carrots and cucumber toasted sesame and like fried tofu and then you dip it into I guess kind of um very similar to kind of the the sauces you might get from like a Vietnamese takeaway you know they're kind of like clear but they're a bit spicy spicy and vinegary I feel you I feel you yeah like that so making that kind of stuff love that and then he makes this like noodle soup as well where you have to make the stock from scratch and it just takes hours and hours. And then, you know, there's like a garlic chili oil that you put on top and um, really amazing kind of um, super fresh herbs like Vietnamese, coriander, Thai basil, mint. I'm literally going to go order Southeast Asian food after this. Like, you need I to. can't, I don't have a Cambodian restaurant, but I mean, it, it, I'll find the nearest thing that does like glass noodle, glass, is that what it's called? Glass noodles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like vermicelli yeah, noodles. Yeah, yeah, so good. Okay, back to the questions because we got derailed. Go on. So, what is your favourite movie? Mm. Right now, right now. Right now, right now. Oh, no, I'm thinking of all time, right? And it's a cheesy one. It's My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> Love that movie. Yes, oh. one of my all-time favourite movies. And do you know what? Very relevant to this podcast. That's all. I will I'll leave 100%. it there. Um, my... My dad, my dad is basically like the dad in my big fat Greek wedding. All his jokes come from that movie. So okay, yeah. so everything is Cambodian. All comes from Cambodia because that's basically what the dad <laughs> says in that movie. Um, what is your favorite song as of like current moment? Oh, I'm really bad with music. Um, I really like. Um, Oh my god, who is it that I'm listening to right now? There's a Jacob Collier song that I really like with I think Mahalia called All I Need. Oh, I love Mahalia. I we'll give that. that a listen. And if anyone else listens, then let us know. Um, and what is the next place you're gonna visit as soon as lockdown opens? Mate. Um, I think Japan. Um, I do a bit of work with um some investors in Japan and I, I wanna go out there and spend a month there. Also, your your boss? Your boss is like half Japanese, right? No. Someone you work with is half Japanese. Oh, some oh uh, the friend that I've like co-founded this community with. Boom, there we colleague. Yeah, colleague yeah. is a word you used, and I was like boss. I was like manager. I was like someone. No, no, no. I mean like she's she's my mate. You know, she's um, my mate. So Emma is is half half. Um, <laughs> Half from Manchester and half Japanese. Yeah, they got so. Manchester. Oh my god, she should be on the podcast because, like, Manchester. Hello, but yeah, okay. Um, that's cool. Okay, Japan. I thought you were going to say India. I'm sad there, but that's okay. We'll move. We'll move. <laughs> um, and this is the end of the podcast. Actually, Sab, thank you so much for coming on. Um, no and giving up your Sunday afternoon slash house life admin day 
to come make an appearance and yeah have you got any closing words for the audience no I had so much fun talking with you and um you know I think if anybody is of mixed background and wants to chat and I made any sense at all because I don't know if I did um then definitely feel free to kind of reach out I would love to hear from you amazing thank you so much for coming on and until next time